Uh, Joe, I just want to share this. During the during the worship, there was this moment, and it was really weird. I had this really weird sensation in my in my legs, and um, and it felt like it, it felt like kind of like this flowing around my around my legs, around my calves, and um, as I was just reflecting on that. Um, and it reminded me of um, Ezekiel 47, where, where it talks about like, this guy Ezekiel had this had this vision from the Lord about um, about this about this water. And so I'm just going to read it to you. And it says um, it's in 47. And he goes, then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There, water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east. I guess that's uh, over there somewhere. For the temple faced east, and the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me, um, brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And the water was coming out the south side, going eastward with a cord in his hand. The, measure, the man measured one thousand cubits, and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. So that's what I was kind of feeling, like this ankle deep water, I think. Again, he measured one thousand. He led me, led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured 1,000, led me through the water, and now he's up to the waist. See, because see what's happening. Like, he's going further and further into the water, isn't he? Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, I really like this, mortal, <laughs> mortal. Sounds like science fiction. Have you seen this? And then he led me along the bank of the river. As, he ca as I came back, I saw on the bank of the river many great trees. <coughs> Hi, Lena. On one side and one on the other. And he said, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down towards the Arabah when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters. The water will become fresh. So you've got this amazing river that flows into stagnant waters and it makes it fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. There will be many fish. Oh, yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> Everything will, everything will live where the river goes. That sounds cool. People will stand fishing beside the sea. From En Gedi to En Neglim, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of the great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not be fresh. They will, they will be left for salt, because you've got to have salt on your fish and chips. Amen. Yeah. Okay. That's what that's about. On the banks of both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but there will be much fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. The water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Awesome, eh? Anyway, I was sort of like feeling this sensation in my legs. I was going, well, is, that, is that the beginning? Is that the beginning of the, of the you know, sort of like this river, the spirit of the Lord flowing out of his temple? And uh, bring that on, Lord. Um, I pray that it is. That's what I felt. How big is God? How big is God? This year I've been, uh, I've been aiming to ride over 4,000 kilometers just by commuting to work on my bike. So riding back and forth uh, from home. And it, it helps my motivation to think about how far that is. So 4, 000, over 4,000 kilometers. From, from here to Auckland, driving is about 630 kilometers. So done that a few times, right? From here to Sydney, 2,224 if you fly in a straight line. So I'm kind of like been to Sydney and somewhere on the way back. The world is a big place, yeah, pretty big, 40,000 kilometers around the world, so by my calculations, I've ridden 10% of the way around the world. That's impressive, that's just by riding to work, that's not, 
And then, and then I sort of like think, I think, oh, look, there's the moon. How far away is the moon? Rob, hold. <laughs> 384,000 kilometers. Close, close. So I've ridden about 1% off the way to the moon. I think it's still impressive. And then I think, what about the sun? <laughs> what about the sun? Any guesses? Yes. Give that man a peppermint chocolate. Eight and a quarter light seconds. Eight, eight and a quarter light seconds. 149.6 million kilometers away. 150 million kilometers away. So I've ridden 0.003% of the way to the sun. <laughs> Which sounds less impressive. And then I was like, well, how long would it take me to ride to the sun? And, um, well, eight point something light seconds. <laughs> or 35,619 years. <laughs> That's a long way. Like the, universe, like the universe is massive. And John 1 in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. Give it up for John. Woo! He... He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light. He came to testify about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was not in the world and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, his own people, but they did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. That's John 1, 1 to 14. Last week we had our CV Christmas extravaganza. It was really awesome. And we remembered how Jesus, the Son of God, was, uh, was born, uh, um, born as a baby to a, to a virgin called Mary. So we've got our fantastic nativity scene over here. And it was, says that the baby was wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And we see this image all over the place at this time of the year. A pack and save Petoni's got this real, I wanted to get a photo of it to show you, but this, this um, quite cool nativity scene that Elena really likes to see. And there's Jesus, the saviour of the world, the Messiah. Uh, Elena looks at, looks at it and she goes, uh, baby God. There's baby, hey Elena, baby God. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke, they talk all about the birth of Jesus. But the Gospel of John, which we just looked at, and it puts it in a really, really different way. John doesn't talk about a baby or an animal manger. Instead, he talks about the light shining in the darkness. And he talks about the Word of God becoming flesh and living amongst people. And he's talking about the same person. He's talking about baby God, about Jesus. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is the Word that was with God and was, was God since the beginning. So, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 1. In Genesis 1 it says, In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning. First day. 
You know, when God, when God created, he didn't, he didn't snap his finger, like, eh? didn't snap his finger, and he didn't shut his eyes really tightly like this and go, like a Jedi knight in Star Wars. No, God, God spoke. He spoke words. And G, John writes that the word Jesus was with God in the beginning, and that all things came into being through him. And without, with him, without him, not one thing came into being. And I don't really know how this works, but it sounds like it sounds like somehow the word of God that that God spoke, that God spoke at creation was Jesus. Jesus was the means by which everything came into being. Without him, not one thing came into being. And so John, in, in chapter one, he's talking about this moment in history when Jesus came into the world, the Word of God, the one through whom all things were created. He's writing about that moment that God was born as a baby human being which we call the incarnation. The word became flesh. But he's writing it from a really different perspective than, than Matthew and Luke and, and the nativity scene. And something really cool that I really like about Christmas is all the lights. Hey, so cool. We put lights on everything. We even put them over here, over the worship band and up stairwells and in trees and all of our houses. And uh, sometimes, um, maybe some of you like this, but you'll cover your entire house with lights and streets get right into it. Um, I've seen it once. I think we, uh, up in Tauranga, one night we went out and had a look at a street that was covered, uh, had houses covered with, with lights and it was pretty impressive. This tradition, it probably, it probably began like in the, through the long winter in the northern hemisphere, like a way to cheer people up. But I think it, for us as Christians, uh, as followers of Jesus, it speaks of something else. It speaks of the light that shines into the darkness. John says, what has come into being when him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. So Christmas lights are cool, but as you can see, a few of them have gone out. Right, they're quite cool, eh? But they're actually, generally, they're kind of small light bulbs, and the wiring is usually pretty fragile, and Andrea knows that the wiring is easy to tangle. Yep. How long did it take you to untangle these ones again? About an hour and a half. <laughs> so you know what I mean. So Christmas lights, the fragile, easy to tangle, easy to break. If you want to overcome Christmas lights, all you've got to do is go to the power... Turn it off. Lights are out. But the light of Jesus, the light of Jesus is not like that. It's through Jesus that physical light as we know it came into being. He says he separated light from the darkness. That means that he has control over light, over darkness. And it also has, he has control over light and darkness in the spiritual sense. So he's thinking about darkness as being, as being evil. We see this all through Jesus' ministry on earth. Like where, where somebody comes to him and they've got, they're oppressed with evil. They've got demons on them. And Jesus sets them free. He just speaks to them and they're gone. He's got power over darkness. And we see it in the way that God operates through the entire Bible. Where spiritual battles are always won by the Lord. I've been reading um, about David and Goliath lately. And like it's a spiritual battle. You've got this giant called Goliath and you've got this shepherd called David. David goes and picks up a few stones from a river and with his stone, one stone, he kills his giant. It's a spiritual battle that was won by the Lord through David. Anyway, we'll go back to Genesis. So chapter one, uh, we've read how God created light. He breathed, he said the words and there was light. 
And then in verse 16, God spoke the words, and the sun came into existence. The sun. Like these candle flames that we lit, they're pretty, and they look pretty cool, but that's quite small. They're bright and they're hot. Do you know that uh, a candle flame, it gets up to 1,000 degrees in the middle there? It's pretty hot. You're not going to stick your finger in there. They might be small, but they're hot. How about the sun? How hot is it in the sun? 15 million! 15 million flipping degrees! 40 flipping four. Happy birthday, Jonathan. 15 million degrees Celsius. Candle flame, I reckon, I don't, haven't done a measurement, but I look at it and I go, maybe it's about a centimeter across, centimeter and a thousand degrees. And that's nothing compared to the sun. The sun, which is 4,379 million kilometers in circumference. The earth is 40,000. It feels big to us. The, the sun is 4,379 million kilometers. <sighs> the earth seems big. The earth seems big to us. <laughs> this blows my mind. But you can fit 1.3 million earths in the sun. Nuts, right? It's just mind-blowing. And we know that the sun, like you look up at the sky at nighttime, and we know that the sun is just a speck. It's just a speck in the universe that is filled with stars bigger than the sun. And like this is, this is really hard for us to comprehend. I think it, it just blows our mind. And then, and they fill us with amazement. And then we kind of go, well, but God holds the universe in his hands, in the palm of his hands. God holds it all. He holds the candle flames. He's, he holds this building on Thorn and Key. He holds Thorn and Key. He holds Wellington. He holds New Zealand. He holds the earth, the 40,000 kilometer around the earth. Earth. He holds the moon, the sun. He holds the solar system, the Milky Way, the entire universe. And he holds it in the palm of his hands. It's big. How big is God? It's big. I've been uh, reflecting also on Psalm 61. And King David, he goes, from the end of the earth, because he's, he's writing from New Zealand. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my energy, a strong tower against my enemy. Like when you think about God, how big is he? How big do you think he is? And I want to put it to you as I'm putting it to myself that you might not be thinking big enough. We need to believe we need to believe deep in our hearts that God is big enough to handle all of the problems that we face, our issues and difficulties that go on in our lives. We need, to, we need to believe that he is big enough to handle the problems of our world. We need to know, we need to know deep down that God is a rock that is higher than we are, bigger and more powerful than we are. If he is small and vulnerable, then, then we can't trust him. But if we believe that he holds the earth in his hand, and if he, if he holds the distance from here to the moon, or the distance from here to the sun, if he holds all the stars, if he, if God just by speaking the word created the sun, 15 million degrees, he just goes, let there be. I reckon if we can believe that, then actually we're placing our trust and our confidence in someone that is really worthy of our trust really worthy of our full confidence. 
At Christmas time, we remember that the Word became flesh, baby God. That somehow in that baby was the power of the universe. In John 1, it says, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Simply receiving Jesus and believing in his name gives us the power to become children of God. What does that mean? Receiving, receiving someone or something, it sort of has this idea of taking something on board, like, like you're taking someone's teaching on board. It also has a, has, a, has a sense of being associated with somebody, wanting to be associated with them. Like if, like if that person knocks on your door, like if Jesus knocks on your door, then you'd welcome him in. You'd go, come on in, Jesus. I want to associate with you. I'm going to make you a coffee. And it better be good because it's the Son of God. Don't upset him. But you'd receive him into your house. And, the, and there's more to this idea of receiving him. Like this morning we took communion. And we, in, in communion we receive, we receive the bread. We eat it. The body of Jesus, like we receive it right into our bodies. Like that's a really close association, isn't it? I, I think this word receiving, it has to do with identifying too, like identifying with, with him, actually uniting with Jesus. Believing in his name, so the first part was receiving Jesus, receiving Jesus, and then believing in his name means believing in who he is. About 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words that we sang this morning. Oh, sorry, I'll go back a step. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words. He said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Light is Jesus. And later, in the same chapter of Isaiah, he wrote the words that we sang this morning. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So believing in Jesus... Believing in the name of Jesus means believing that he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And this is just, this is just a short list of, of names of Jesus that we know from the Bible. But even that is amazing, isn't it? It means believing that he is the king with an everlasting kingdom. It says, it says, it says he will establish it and uphold it. He's talking about the kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. It's a never-ending kingdom, a kingdom of, of peace, of justice and righteousness. And when we receive Jesus and choose to be associated with him and believe in his name, then somehow in that moment we become children of God. Man, it makes me want to become a Christian again. Isn't that amazing? We become children of God. And with being children of God means all of this incredible inheritance that comes from being the kids of the creator of the universe. Eternal life? Yes, please. <laughs> I don't want to die. Yeah, mortal. 
I just want to go to sleep and wake up in the arms of Jesus. Kids, kids often resemble their folks. Hey, some of you are lucky and you've got good-looking parents. Like, like me and Nicholas and Anna. <laughs> some of you, never mind. <laughs> but don't worry about it because they become children of God. And God, he's the most beautiful being in, ever, ever. And we begin to, when we become children of God, we begin to resemble Jesus. And we become transformed to become more and more like him as we journey with him and as we follow with him. We become incandescent. That's a word. Shiny. We become lights like these candles. Man, I think more are going out every time I look at that. We become lights like these candles. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And it's in John 8. And he says in Matthew, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all all the people in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And Paul, in Ephesians, he says, for once, you were in dark, for once you were darkness, for once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. It's Ephesians 5. Live as children of the light. Just reflecting on this, you kind of realize God is so much bigger, so much more powerful than we can imagine. And even as, a, even as a baby, even as a baby, people approached him and bowed down to him. Bowed down to him as a baby. If we, if we are able to let, somehow let our thoughts of him expand and accept that this baby who lived on earth 2,000 years ago, lived on earth in the flesh for 30-something years, he divided history into two, this baby is the Lord who created the universe, including our sun, which is how hot? 15 million degrees. (laughs) I've said that a million times already. Believe that Jesus is the rock that is higher than I am. The one who holds our, our entire story, like the story of the existence of not just us, but all, all creation in his hands. And then we have someone that we can confidently put our trust in, someone that we can look to and say, I receive you. Come in for a coffee. I receive you. I want to be associated with you. I want to identify with you. Call me a Christian. I believe in your name. I believe in who you are. We become children of God, following him, doing the things that he wants us to do, shining like stars. This is all just a different way of saying that Jesus, this baby, was fully human and fully God all at the same time. All at the same time. And I reckon it's amazing. And Christmas, Christmas is actually blowing my mind this year. Man, like I, I hope that as we, uh, that, that each of us here, as we uh, like journey towards um, Christmas on Wednesday and over the, over the summer break and everything like that, take a bit of time and like invite the Lord to come and... Blow your mind. <laughs> Blow my mind, Lord. Blow my mind with who you are. Ask him for, a, ask him for a, pic, a fresh picture of who he is. Or if you don't know him, then ask him to reveal himself to you. All right. Who wants to stand up? Uh, who wants to stand up and, uh, and I'll invite the Holy Spirit to come? Um, I want to uh, 
invite invite that river that I was feeling during the worship to um to rise up a bit more. Come Holy Spirit. Let the river of your of your presence, of your goodness, flow in this place, Holy Spirit. Let the uh the river uh, flow from, from your temple, from your holy place, uh, through level 2, 147 Thorndon Key. Let it, let it rise up. Our ankles to our knees, up to our waist, until it's so deep, Lord Jesus, that, that we can't stand in it and we can't even swim to the other side. Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Speak the truth of who you are to our hearts. Lord, if we could get our heads and our hearts around the idea that you are the God that holds everything in the palm of your hands, us as well as the sun, then then we won't be afraid of anything. Because you are the good God, the God that loves us. The Lord that um, that is moved with compassion for his children. The Lord that, that went to the cross and took upon yourself our sins. The Lord that bled so that we might be washed clean of our sin. The Lord that gives us the gift of righteousness and the gift of life. Lord, would you would you would you take these these sorts of truths from our from our heads where we go, yeah, I believe it, but Lord, I want to believe it. Would you take it from our heads and like like push it right down into our hearts? Lord Jesus, would you come, Holy Spirit, come this morning. The gift of your Holy Spirit. Upon the, upon the kids this morning, thank you that they're part of the service. Uh, and all of us in between to the oldest, all of us here, Lord Jesus, would we know your goodness this Christmas. We receive you. Amen.